TJers and welcome to another fabulous podcast. Now we have been living through an unprecedented period of change over the past two years and that continues. The global pandemic has irrevocably changed the way we work and not since the industrial revolution has working practice altered so dramatically and in turn affected communities and society too. These changes are not going to reverse. Hybrid working is the new normal. Do we need that phrase again? Sustainability is becoming central to how organisations operate, with employees holding the upper hand as companies compete for talent. As what we do is changing, new skills are needed and automation, AI and technology are growing at speed. I am delighted to introduce our speakers for today who are going to apply their broad range of experience to give the TJ Podcast listeners some special insights into how we can tackle some of these difficult issues in the months to come. Firstly, we have Amy Smythe. Amy is the head of Right Management Centre of Excellence and EMEA for Career Development. Absolutely right person to have with us today. She's also a market vice president for European sales. Amy is an occupational psychologist with over 20 years experience working in academia and consultancy, specialising in talent assessment and development. Well, hello, Amy. Lovely to have you with us. It's a great honour to have you on the podcast. I'm delighted to be here, Joe. Thanks ever so much. And our other speaker today is Jennifer Loftus. Jennifer joins us from the US and is a founding partner and national director for the New York City-based Astron Solutions. Her primary areas of expertise are total rewards, customised market surveys, employee opinion surveys, and technology-based AR solutions. I definitely feel I'm in good hands here. Jennifer has 26 years of experience at organisations, including the Hay Group, Parsons at Brinkley, Hoff, Eagle Electric Manufacturing Company, and Harcourt General. Jennifer, lovely to have you with us as well. And thank you for joining us from the US. Well, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to join. I'm so excited to be here and to be conversing with colleagues across the pond. <laughs> thank you so much. So I am going to get started with you, Jennifer, actually. Um, I have a question, which is about what do the changes that I just mentioned in that introduction mean to our organizations and to their people? And how are we changing the way we manage people and process? as a result. They are a nice, easy one to get us started with. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that. All right. Oh, gosh. And you know, that introduction you gave was just full, rich with so much possibility there. And I, I fear we could spend hours, if not days, talking about the impact of COVID-19, the global pandemic, sustainability, the hybrid workplace, the new skills that are needed of our employees, and of course, the impact of AI and technology. My gosh, there's so much that's all converging here at once. And when I think about employers, what does this mean to them? Well, their employees, right? The lifeblood of their organization. These are people who are looking for something different. They are expecting something more from their employers. And that's in a variety of different ways. Now, of course, we've got the basics when it comes to safety, right? No one wants to go to work and end up with COVID, right? So we've got a, a very basic safety concern. But then we've also got the demands for that, that hybrid workplace so we can help employees attain that ideal, as I use air quotes here, work-life balance, whatever that actually is. 
And at the same time, the pandemic and all of the changes that it has brought have caused people to say and reflect and come to the conclusion that we're looking for something more. I don't want to go to work just for the sake of cranking out reports or something like that. I'm looking for deeper meaning in my work. And well, what does this mean? Well, employers, they need to be more flexible in terms of how they are partnering, if you will, with their employees, being open to change, which is something that is notoriously difficult to do. Recognize that employees have the upper hand in this market, if you will, and that's playing out in the great resignation where people are just leaving in droves to start their own organizations, to this look is a, for a new huge trend in the US that I think is getting around the globe, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. The turnover rates, employee turnover rates, uh, anywhere from 30, 40, 50% in organizations where maybe it was 10% historically or 20%. And it's not just you know, the people who have been there a year or two or uh, you know, Gen Z or the millennials, we, we tend to say they're job hoppers. These are people who've been with organizations for many years, decades, people we thought would retire from these organizations. But no, they're embarking on something new, something different. So uh, in terms of how do we manage people and processes in this fluid environment that we're dealing with, communication is key. And I know that's a basic, right? We've been saying that since the, the beginning of time. We have to communicate with our employees. It is more critical now than ever, right? To make sure we're, we're building relationships and especially in a hybrid work environment, right? It's not as easy as if I go next door to your office and we have a quick chat over some coffee or, or tea. Now I have to reach out to you through Zoom or Teams or whatever platform. And building that relationship is tough, right? But we've got to have that constant communication, frequent feedback on work and deliverables and successes and where there's opportunity for enhancement or development as well. And we also and that's all very work focused, but as well, there's that human connection that so many people say we're missing when we look at hybrid and remote. Now, as a virtual learning specialist, it's obviously not my opinion that I agree with, but I can absolutely see why people are having that challenge. And I think, I think maybe let's come to Amy to pick up on this, um, about what this means to organizations and people and processes. But basically everything's changing, isn't it? Amy? Yeah, absolutely. And I would 100% back up what Jennifer's saying. We just did a piece of research at Right Management, actually, looking at uh, employees and their career aspirations. And over half of those employees, and this is a European study, are looking to have changed their career plans in the last year. So people are really looking for something different. And that could be outside their organization, so the great resignation, or actually it could be inside their organization. And I think there are a couple of things that organizations really need to look at. And, and similar to what Jennifer said, people are leaving not because of, you know, they don't have, they're not paid enough or potentially they don't have the right work conditions. It is about they want to be treated as an individual. They want to have that kind of human connection with their organization. They want to be having those career conversations. And that's absolutely what we see when we talk to employees inside 
organizations is they want to be having that conversation about their career. They want to know their manager is interested in them, interested in their development, and their organization wants to invest in them for the long term. So those things are really critical to really getting employees embedded and staying within organisations. So Amy, have you got a mm. couple of tips on how line managers can have those conversations with their direct reports? Yeah, so I would say it's it's about having something that is ongoing. Don't leave this conversation for, you know, oh my God, we've got the appraisal. Let's have the conversation. You know, it's got to be something that is kind of weaved into um, the uh, the employee and manager interaction as they move across uh, the year. So that's a really important thing. And I think managers, you know, managers shouldn't be afraid to have these conversations. It's better to know. Uh, if you if you've got somebody who is dissatisfied, wants other opportunity, actually it's great if you know that because you can act on that. If you don't know, you frankly can't do anything about it. I think that's a really, really wise uh, way of putting it. Thank you, Amy. And Jennifer, let me come back to you on this point. So the managers and and their managers obviously have got a certain amount of responsibility. But what about the organisation as a whole? And certainly at scale, it's fine if you've got 10 or 50 or maybe 500 employees, but what about 5,000 or 50,000? How does that work? Exactly. Yes. And if I'm putting myself in the in the seat of CEO of a 5,000 employee organization, well, the chances are I'm not going to be able to reach out virtually and, and connect with every one of those 5,000 employees. But as the leader, I am I am that role model, right? So I should be having those one-on-ones like, like Amy just described. I was like, yes, I hear my words coming from Amy here. It's critical. Have those one-on-ones with your direct reports and hold them accountable to have those one-on-ones as well. And this should be something that's going on on a weekly basis. And it doesn't need to be long, 15 minutes, right? Let's do a quick touch base. What's happening at work, right? Are the projects on track? Is there something new coming up, right? And then also talk about that employee's development. Oh, what do we think we want to focus on in the third quarter, right? Something like that. And then carve out a couple minutes just to say, hey, how are you? How are you feeling? How are you thinking right now? Or if you know, you know, I think about myself and my employees. I have one who's moving in a couple of weeks. So we talk about that. Hey, how's the packing going? Right. I have another who's been dealing with a series of dental issues for over a year. So I said, tell me what's what's happening with the dentist now. Right. Real just back to basic things that build that connection, even though we're talking through technology rather than face-to-face in an office per se. If everyone is doing that throughout the organization, you've scaled, you're building that connection. Love that. And I also love your point about it doesn't matter whether we're face-to-face or not, we can still have those good quality conversations. We might not bump into each other, but those things that you and Amy are both describing aren't the conversations we have when we bump into each other anyway. They're the planned weekly, monthly kind of conversations. So Amy, this brings me on to my kind of second question and area of interest. 
which is about the skills that we'll need in this 21st century workplace. Now, this isn't a new topic, obviously. We've been talking about this for a while. But, you know, everything is a bit more fast paced at the moment. There's the, the digital kind of revolution, if you like. And things are likely to continue changing at speed, especially in the context of the global pandemic. So what are the skills that we need to be focusing on this year and beyond? Yes, obviously, the skills agenda is is huge at the moment and has been for, you know, a few years, Joe. And of course, there's the kind of perennial one that, you know, individuals need digital skills, they need data skills. And of course, that is important. But I think just as important and organisations do need to focus on are the kind of soft, what we would call kind of soft skills. So that's critical thinking, the ability to innovate, the ability to think creatively. And these are just as important as those hard skills, because the reality is, is that no matter how great your digital skills are at this moment in time, with the skills cycle being so fast, it's likely that they will be obsolete in three, five years time. So at White Management, what we talk about is really about learnability. You know, how can you really find employees that are open to learning experiences, curious, wanting to, uh, you know, take up learning and upskilling, wanting to go on to other assignments? These are the type of people that will always be on top of skills, will always be relevant because they are the people that are really investing in their own learnability and employability for the long term. So, yes, of course, digital skills are important. But if I was you know, employing people, I'd be looking for that learnability factor. I really love all of that. And I'm going to play devil's advocate slightly here. And, and what about the managers that maybe are in our, our organisations already, or they could be line supervisors or team leaders who, who kind of don't fit into that criteria? Maybe they're the ones who are afraid of the up and comers who are open to learning, who are open to change. How do we manage that dynamic, Amy? I think that's a really great point, actually, because when we do work with managers around careers, a lot of them have a kind of fixed view of what a career should look like and indeed how certain generations should act. And they apply these, they apply this lens to how they operate with their employees. And to be honest, the major way to do this is to challenge. You've got to challenge managers when they say these types of statements, oh, older workers, you know, they they don't have the enthusiasm, they don't have the energy. You know, this, these are the types of outdated things that you really need to challenge with individuals. And it is creating, I think, a culture within the organisation that it's not okay to not support individuals in their careers. It's not okay to make these kind of statements about individuals. And it's really creating that culture and managing and KPIing managers against it that will really start to kind of root out those kind of beliefs and get managers to kind of actively engage with their employees to develop them. Because ultimately, most managers want the organization to be successful. 
And you can only have a successful organization nowadays if you've got people upskilling, reskilling and thinking about how they can make the organization relevant for the future. I love all of that. I remember once uh, quite a few years ago, I worked with somebody who would literally cut and paste something and then photocopy it because they refused to learn how to do that on the computer. So whilst it was a few years ago, it's it's certainly not before cut and paste was invented. Uh, so I, that person kind of sprung to mind there. Um, Jennifer, what's your take on this 21st century skills in this fast paced changing environment we're in? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, well, Amy, I, I second everything that you, you've said there. And if I build on, on what you've shared already, you know, if I think back to March 13th of 2020 and how our world just changed so suddenly, very few of us were what we might call, you know, digital natives or, or fluent with, with all of the technologies. We, a lot of us were thrown into it. And coming up, hard to believe, two years later, how do we really know the power of the technology that we have? So it's easy to say, oh, hop on Zoom, do this, do that. But we, we need to invest in those technology skills so that we can stay fresh, stay relevant for our organization and be ready for what's next. So we're, we've got our eye on the short term, but also looking to the horizon as well. On the soft skills side, of course, relationship building, communication, presentations, all those things that we've been talking about already. And I also want to add you know, development in the area of, we could call it uh, cultural effectiveness or diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, right? If we think about the last two years you know, here in the United States, there's been so much radical change that has happened springing from feelings of inequity, whether it's by race or gender or age, right? And going back to what Amy mentioned about those uh, preconceived notions, right? Oh, the older people can't do this, or women would be better using that part of piece of equipment or whatever it is. We need to get people out of that mindset, get them in the here and now of today to be effective co-workers, team players, challenge those statements right in the moment and help people to be aware of, oh, I've just done some, you know, unconscious bias here or microaggression, something like that to create more effective employees all around. I think that's so important because when we talk about culture, it's not just one thing. It's not just, oh, well, the leader says we have to innovate, so send everybody on an innovation course. You know, very obviously it's not as, as easy as that. So how does learning technology or technology more generally weave its way into these skills, into this changing environment for individuals and for organizations? There's lots of different layers here. Um, Jennifer, let me come back to you first on this one, because we were talking about this in the sense of the different skills that we've got. How does the tech help us with that? Yes. So the, so the tech helps us in that, you know, the, the potential is limitless, right? There's so many different tools and resources that we can use. If we're thinking about, you know, a little more old school formal courses in our LMS, right? There's so many possibilities out there. But if I go beyond that, and that's where our listeners want to think about, right? Where do we go beyond? A couple of thoughts come to mind. First, yeah, we, yes, of course, we have our laptops or our desktops, but we've got so much more technology, whether it's social media, whether it is our uh, smartphones, right? So as, as 
training, learning and development professionals, HR professionals, or business leaders, when we're thinking about development, two things. First, we need to meet our people where they are, right? And if it's on the social platforms, let's push out knowledge right there, right? Or maybe it's on uh, something on a smartphone, something like that. So know your people, right? Know your audience, tailor that talent to their technology, what they're using so we can meet them where they are. The second, not necessarily new, but all the more important is how over the last two years, our attention spans have gotten so much shorter. They were short to begin with. And now it's like, tell me what I need to know in 90 seconds because I don't have the bandwidth or the patience to sit through anything longer. And if I think about myself, and in addition to the work I do with Astron, I'm also an adjunct professor. So I have lots and lots of students. We had to pivot to virtual as well. And instead of the three-hour, let's have a big lecture kind of course, what did we do? We did micro lessons, five minutes talking about this one topic, five minutes, that one topic. And you could see people say, this is something I can relate to. It's something that's manageable. It's something I can work into my day and I can use. So brevity is our friend as well in this case. I do like that. As somebody who who throughout her career has gone from uh, not brevity to, <laughs> to trying to bullet point things, uh, maybe still not quite there yet. But you're right. There's so many times where we just want to, you know, get past the intro, get past the the rubbish and give me what I need. Amy, what is it you're seeing from your experience, your research uh, and your work with regards to this technology and and the element of L&D staff and professionals having to use that as well? Yeah, I think that obviously when it comes to, you know, all organisations are wanting to upskill and reskill their people. And um, of course, you know, technology is such a huge part of that. And I would say that, you know, the organisations that I work with tend to be quite big and they often have great technology. And the best ones are really curating that technology. And that's also kind of a reflection of another big trend we're seeing, which is around this kind of personalization, um, you know, kind of seeing em- employees through kind of a consumer lens, I suppose, and being able to really, uh, you know, create experiences that are totally about you. And we see that reflected in the best learning management systems. But I still feel that no matter how great the tech is within organizations, the m- main thing that people need to really think about is have individuals got the right mindset, because that's the only way that individuals will engage in learning. And I go into organizations and I see some fantastic systems that are so underutilized because employees are not in the right place. They're not given the time to be able to access it. There's not transparency in terms of what might happen in the future in terms of their roles and their skills. And people really need to be in the right place in order to be able to take advantage of that technology and use it to its best advantage. So I think it's that marrying of great technology, just as Jennifer says, bite-sized learning, all of that thing, plus the right mindset, that is what really is going to create change within organizations and for individuals. 
I do love that. It comes back once again to human connection, to culture and to leadership, quite frankly, and, and yeah. communication that we said right at the beginning as well. And Jennifer, you know, you said, you know, you work in, in a few different kind of areas. How are you seeing this in terms of L&D professionals? Um, I know certainly in my own experience, there's always been one end of the scale of, yeah, let's go for it. Let's play. Let's have fun. Let's do this. And the other end of the scale is, I just want to stand up and lecture people. This is my safe zone. Uh, where are you at on that, Jennifer? And what do you see? Yes. Oh my gosh. And and thinking about the organizations that I work with, I can see points all along that continuum where you've got the ones who are like, what is cutting edge? What is new and next? And let's be there. And others, let's get the binders set up and get everyone together and, and so forth. If I had to do a broad sweeping generalization here. And we know that's always a little fraught with danger. I'd say that the learning and development professionals that I work with and, and connect with are intrigued. You know, they want to be there with what's next. The past served us well in the past, but we're not going back. You know, as much as we might say, well, that's our comfort zone. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we all need to be outside of our comfort zone, right? And, and going to be better people ourselves. And if I think about how that translates now into the workplace, this can be scary, right? We might say, wow, the unknown, am I going to mess it up? Is this going to be right? Am I going to do the right thing? Well, that's the beauty of learning and development, right? We're always learning together. And, and knowing the track record that the profession has, there's no reason why we shouldn't be confident in saying, yes, let's keep, keep going, keep going. Small changes, it doesn't have to be something dramatic overnight, but keep us on that road to progress steadily. And so we get to that end destination where we are not underutilizing those amazing systems like Amy mentioned, but rather tapping into all the power and the opportunity is there. There's a bright future ahead. Let's all move towards that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think you're right that we do have to get out of our comfort zone. And back at the beginning of the pandemic, whether that was virtual classrooms or learning management systems or e-learning or videos, whatever it was, that was massively outside the comfort zone for a lot of people. And, and I like that point you made earlier on about the learner, about, you know, where are they? Is that the LMS? Is that social? Is it mobile? Is it, you know, start where they are? And I think we have to apply that to ourselves as L&D professionals too. I always say to people, yeah, you've got this LMS or you've got that option in your virtual classroom or whatever it might be. Um, but I think it's a case of start where you are, learn one thing, get confident, get comfortable, then another thing. You know, your comfort zone doesn't have to expand by a mile. It can expand by one step at a time, can't it, Amy? Yeah, and I was just just going to follow up on one thing that Jennifer said, which I which I loved, which is what we talked about, you know, meeting people where they are. And one thing that certainly for us at Right Management, we are very conscious that employees in, you know, office environments and employees in manufacturing environments often have different learning needs. They want to learn in different ways. And making sure that always content is taking that into consideration and indeed with in, across the generations as well. So Jennifer's point is really well made. It is about meeting your employees where they want to be and where they want to learn, because that's really how you're going to maximise it. And I think that's an absolutely perfect point to end on. Amy and Jennifer, thank you so much. Uh, Jennifer, where is it that we could find you uh, in, in the Twitterville, in LinkedIn somewhere if we want to connect with you? 
Absolutely. Yes, I am on LinkedIn. There aren't too many Jennifer Loftuses, so you can certainly connect with me there. And uh, in terms of Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn uh, as well, my company, Astron Solutions, we do have profiles on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. So we'd love to see everyone there. Thank you. And Amy, where can people find you? Uh, so, Joe, they can find me on LinkedIn. I don't know how many Amy Smythes there are, but uh, not that many and certainly not anybody else that works for right management. So you can find me on there. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, ladies, thank you so much. It's been a really interesting conversation. And TJers, we'd love to get your feedback on this on at Training Journal or, of course, our LinkedIn group. And we'll see you next time. DJ Podcast is hosted by Joe Cook, produced by Debbie Carter, and mixed and edited by Digital Skills People. The title music is by the Ledger All-Stars featuring Yolanda. The sponsorship music is by Audio Nautics and is used under a Creative Commons license. TJ is a publishing title owned by Dodds Group PLC. Mm-hmm.